Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Anytime there's a month where we have five Sundays, that fifth Sunday is our family Sunday. Um, If you've been here very long, you know what that is, but Family Sunday is coming up uh, at the end of October, the last Sunday in October, and and, and Family Sunday is where our our first through fifth graders will actually be in the service with us. We partake of communion as a church family so that we can, you know, remember the Lord. It tells us we need to be doing that, but also we're going to do something a little bit fun. At the end of the service, we're going to have a cover dish luncheon right here in the sanctuary, so when you come in that Sunday, the back of the uh, auditorium will be set up with tables, the front will be able to seat people and if we overrun you can just sit at the tables but uh, it's going to be a fun time together Uh, so we're asking folks for a cover dish you know how that works right everybody to bring a meat dish and bring a side dish whether it's a dessert or vegetable and we also do ask you to sign up and let us know what you're bringing Uh, so out at the information booth there's a sign up sheet there just write your name on there tell us what you're bringing you say why well uh, look at the list before you sign up so we don't have a bunch of baked spaghetti and nothing else, right? Because maybe somebody didn't like baked spaghetti. Uh, whatever. But it's going to be a fun time together, and we'll actually, I think, do a little pregame stuff on the uh, screen here for the football season. So if you want to watch the, you know, the beginning of the games, you can watch that, and then you can get home and watch the games later. But it should be a fun time. So that's coming up Family Sunday and Fall Coverdish Luncheon, the last Sunday of October. And do want to remind you that our first through fifth graders are in the service for that Sunday, and that's because I feel like it's important for them to partake of communion with their family family and uh, and their parents can actually have a conversation with them if they ask questions about it you know at a later point so good stuff there all right uh, I want to go ahead and uh, continue the series I've been teaching on love we've been teaching on this topic for the last eight weeks and I don't know about you but it's affecting me uh, it's affecting me in lots of ways and then and then it's also affecting me in some ways where I recognize I can do better how many of you recognize you can do better at times <laughs> And, and I got to tell you, there are plenty of times where my humanity kicks in and I'm like, man, I just have fallen so short of what I'm teaching people. But how many of you know, it's not, it's not a, a measurement of your qualifications to preach if you're perfect, right? All of us are called to declare the gospel to everybody. And I think it's important for us to remember that. So as we move through this series, I, I want to encourage you uh, never to feel condemned by what we're talking about, but just to realize that this is the standard. This is the gold standard that God has given us to live up to. So we're talking about love. John chapter 13 Verse 34 through 35, uh, this is the words Jesus gave to us, and this is the commandment that he gave us. And so let's read that, then we'll pray, then we'll move through what I believe the Lord has for us today. Luke chapter, uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. A lot of love in that verse, right? Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for each and every person here and the, their hearts towards you, their willingness to serve, their sense of community that they have with each other and how we fellowship and grow together as believers. And I thank you that as we go to your word this morning, we'll approach it with a heart that's teachable. I thank you for the hearts that are receptive to hear your truth. And I thank you, Father, for anointing me to speak the truth and the things you'd have me say today that would edify us, build us up, and cause us to say we're better. We're in a better place in our relationship with the Lord because we came to church today. That's what it's all about. So I thank you for helping me accomplish that, and I know that you've promised you will. So I place 100% confidence in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in our opening text, Jesus tells us, and he issues the command that we should love 
one another. And what that verse says, and you know, we've looked at different aspects over and over the last eight weeks, but one of the things that he said was is that when we love one another, that's how people will know that we're his disciples. And that word know, uh, I've often pointed this out if you've been at this church for a while, is a Greek word. It's the Greek word epignosis, and it means experience. So what that verse says is, is that men will experience that you're a disciple by the way that you show love one to another. And so what that tells me is that for people to actually experience God in his fullness, you know, God could show up in a vision or a dream to somebody, right, and touch them, but uh, what that tells me is for God to be able to touch people in the fullest measure he wants to, one of the ways he does that is by us showing love to each other and to, and to individuals. And so that's how people come to know Jesus. That's how people come to know who he is. You know, and so we want to be a proper reflection of that as a group of believers. Amen? Not only that, but what that also tells me is this, and we see it in 1 John, if that's how others know him, then that's how we're going to come to know him. Uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Notice it's that same word, know. And what he says there is, it says, when you love, that's when you grow to know God. It's evidence that you know him. It's also how you know him. It says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 12 says, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected, uh, is perfected in us. And so it says, if we love one another, God dwells in us. And so, you know, it's as we express the love of God to those around us, as we walk in that love to those around us, that not only they get to know him, but we do. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that in your life, but in my life, I can say that very often when I'm sitting in a conversation and talking to someone maybe, or maybe someone crosses my path, and there's a moment in time where you can sense the Holy Spirit sit down in the midst of that conversation or, or tap you on the shoulder and want to say something. And when the Holy Spirit sits down in the midst of that conversation, if we'll yield to that, and allow the love of God to allow us to say what needs to be said or to give what needs to be given, that Spirit of God flows through us, and it's how we come to know Him in a greater sense than we could if we just read about it in a book or we just found it in a worship moment. It's how we show the love of God that we get to know the fullness of God's love. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 says this. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your great quest. I read this almost every week. Because that's the way we get to know God, and it's because it's the way others will know him, we have made a choice as a church, or as the pastor, I've made a choice to teach on this. I, I said, I think I'll probably teach on this, who knows, for quite some time. But we made a conscious choice to say that if that is the goal, to, get to, uh, to, to show people who God is, to express the love of God to others, and to experience him ourselves through doing that, then that needs to be our number one goal. It needs to be our highest priority. And that's what that verse of scripture says. It says, make it your highest priority. It shouldn't be our priority to experience a great worship service. It shouldn't be our priority to experience a, 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 a great achievement in life or to gain a bunch of grand knowledge from Scripture. Our highest goal in life should be, I want to be a person of love. I want to be a person of love. If, if, if I were to die and they were going to put anything on my headstone, one word, I want it to be the word love. 
You know, and, and sometimes we fall so short of that. Sometimes we, as human beings, don't express it the way we should. But man, I want that to be my goal in life. And I, I want that to be our goal as a group of believers, that we express the love of God and it's our number one goal. And we've talked a lot about that, right? Over the last four weeks, we've talked about really the, the self-sacrificing nature of love. We've talked about how love puts others first, and we've talked about how love, you know, uh, doesn't uh, misuse people, and how love won't make choices that will hurt others, but love will consider others. Even if it looks like we'll benefit, we'll consider, is this going to hurt somebody? If it is, I'm not going to do it, right? We've talked a lot about that self-sacrificing nature of love, and, and because of that, I think our humanity can kick in, and I've said this many weeks in a row leading up to this, our humanity can kick in and say, if I'm always putting others first, then what about me? What about me? But I tell you, when we, when we put others first, the Scripture, Jesus teaches us this, that when we, it, it, first of all, we have to understand, it is a different way of living. It is absolutely a different life that we've been called to. And, and, and sometimes we're so tainted or so marked by the world system that, that we are selfish and we're striving and we want our own way and we want our own things and we see life through that lens. But what Jesus was saying is, I want you to see it through my lens. I want you to see life through the eyes of a heavenly love. And that's different than, than normal love. You know, normal human love loves and it consumes Human love actually tries to consume the object of its affection. But God's love is not a consuming love, although it consumes us. It's a love that actually wants to give and bless. And so we've been called to walk in that kind of love. And if we do live and embrace that kind of lifestyle that is uniquely different, that would cause our natural minds to say, if I do this, I'm going to lose. That what Jesus said is you won't lose. In John chapter 15 and verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and you, will, and, and you will ask what you desire, and it'll be done. Well, he said, if you abide in me and you abide, if you do what I say, right? Well, what did he say? We just read it. His great commandment was to love, right? So when he says do what I say, he's not talking about just not smoking, drinking, and chewing, and running around those that are doing, right? That's not what he's talking about. Although, you know, the, a product of walking in love would be not to do that because you wouldn't be a stumbling block to somebody else, right? But what he's talking about is being a person that expresses his love. He said, if you're that kind of loving person, you'll ask whatever you want in life and it'll be done for you. Man, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Verse 8 goes on to say, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So what we see in this verse is, is if we walk in love, we actually don't lose. What it says there in verse 7, it says, if you walk in love, you'll pray and your prayers will get answered, Right? You'll actually receive whatever it is you desire. It says, whatever you desire will be done for you, right? How many of you have some desires in life? Just because we're talking in love doesn't mean we don't have desires in life. How many of you like to see your bills all paid on time? Just, just listen, Can we just start that base level, right? How many of you like to be able to go on a nice vacation every once in a while, right? How many of you like to see your family members sound and happy and whole, Right? 
Well, if we do those things, what he says is if you'll walk in love, then all those things will take care of themselves. But what we wind up doing as human beings is, is we're like, i got to get those things. i got to make those things happen. We, we get into this human works type of way of living. And what he says there is if you'll lay that down and just love others, put them first, consider them first, love them, be a blessing, he said, you'll, you'll get what you want out of life. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, notice this. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your, notice this, your joy may be full. That joy may be full is an interesting, it means complete, your joy will be complete, that it will be satisfied. See, what he's talking about is this. He's talking about a way of life that brings true soul satisfaction. He's not talking about a way of life that consumes and seeks to consume and, 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 and achieves things for temporary moments of joy that are fleeting because that thing goes away and it's on to the next task. But he talks about a soul-satisfying kind of joy that can only come from a life that's submitted to God and doesn't worry about life but trusts God with life, right? So, you know, if you think about it for a moment, this kind of love that we're talking about, it requires us to use faith, right? How many of you realize when you're looking at a situation, it could make you better by doing it, but you make a choice, to, but it's going to hurt somebody. And you make a choice to say, no, I'm not going to do that because I can't hurt them. How many of you realize it requires faith to trust God that you ain't going to get hurt by that decision, right? Or you're not going to grow by that decision. It requires faith. It requires us to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to live my life in such a manner that I'm not going to worry about me. I'm going to let you take care of me, right? And I got to tell you, that way of living is so refreshing. I don't know about you, but over the last eight weeks, it's really impacted my life as I've at times, you know, uh, seen the struggle of wanting to try to get ahead and wanting to try to do something. And the Lord shows me, no, no, you might be better doing this in this situation because it would help others. And me take, going through that process of saying, you know what, God, I'm going to give that concern to you, and I'm going to trust you with it 100%. Man, it's a release that takes place in our life. And that's the kind of life Jesus called us to that's different. See, here's what I would say is this, is if you're unhappy and dissatisfied in life, it could be because your motive in life has not embraced the full quality of this love that God has talked about. It could be that you're seeking and you're striving and you're trying to get and you're fighting and you're doing all of those things and, and love doesn't do that. Love says, I'm going to not fight for myself. I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to give up. I'm going to love others. I'm just going to let God take care of me, right? See, some of the most dissatisfied, sour and bitter people I've ever met are sometimes the people that have the most in life, naturally. Because their life is full of consuming and trying to get. And they never find the true joy that Jesus was talking about in life. See, real, real joy comes from laying down the way of living of the world and, and living like God. So we've been seeking to grow in this love more and more. We've pointed out that love puts others first. It prefers them. It honors them. We've pointed out that love won't intentionally hurt somebody. We've pointed out that love will cover a multitude of sins. When we see somebody sin, we're not one to point it out and ridicule and beat them down over it. We're going to love them. If we think we know more and we think that they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, we're not going to look down our noses with a scowl at them. We're going to just love them and say, I'm going I'm to love them with all of my heart. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't expose it. It actually goes to a person and says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to restore you, right? 
That's what love does. And so, and so I want to talk about another, and, and it's happy to do it. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm happy to love. See, this is not a grit your teeth and bear it kind of love. Well, I'm going to love you, but I really don't want to, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15 says, And I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. That was the attitude of Paul. His attitude was, man, I am glad to lay down my life. You know, that's the same attitude Jesus had towards us. He was happy to do it. There was joy in him to do it. And so today, I want to talk to you about another aspect of love that should be a joy of our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says this. It says, love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self Seeking. Now, we've touched on this verse before. That verse very clearly tells us the opposite of what love is. It says love is not this, right? So love is not self-seeking. But as we work through this, what I want you to understand is that although love is not self-seeking, love does seek something. There is a seeking nature of love. And today, I want to talk to you about the seeking nature of love. That if we're walking in the love of God, there should be this, uh, this passion on the inside of us. What should that passion be? Well, I want to, I want to uh, look to the story of Paul. You know, when Paul, you know, many, many of the letters Paul wrote, he was imprisoned when he wrote them. And, and Paul writes to Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 about, when he was, about a moment in time when he was imprisoned in Rome. And what he said here was this in verse 15. He said, you, Timothy, know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. You ever, how many of you ever felt like that before? It's okay, you can raise your hand. Uh, maybe not everybody. How many feel like somebody's deserted you before, right? Well, what he said there was, and this was a time where he was telling the truth, he said, everybody's deserted me, including Fugilus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household on Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, notice this, he searched hard for me until he found me, it says in the NIV. See, everybody had abandoned Paul, and Paul was imprisoned in Rome, and what he said was there was this one person who said that he cared about me, but he went the extra mile. He didn't just say that he cared about me. He actually searched hard for me. That word searched is the word to seek something, but that word hard is an interesting word as you look it up. It's in the Greek. It's only used one time in the Bible, and it's in this instance, only one time. And what it says here is, is that what, 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 however his name is pronounced, I think it's Onesiphorus as I looked it up, so I'll try to pronounce it right throughout the message here. If I change it five different times, you'll know who I'm talking about, right? We can just call him O. How about we just call him O? What this says here is, is that O did something that was so unique that it could only, only, the word could only be used one time in the New Testament. And what it was that he did was is that he zealously and diligently sought for Paul more than anything else in his life. He, he laid down everything else and made it a priority. He sought Paul with a stronger motive more than anyone else mentioned in Scripture. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. Not only that, but he made meeting the need of Paul because Paul was in a difficult spot. I'm sure as he felt betrayed and he's there in prison, even though he was a man of faith, he probably dealt with real feelings of discouragement. 
And what he did was, is he sought him out to be a support and a help to him. See, natural love will pursue things passionately. And that's why this is only used one time in Scripture. Because natural love will pursue things because it wants to, as I said earlier, consume it. It is the object that satisfies, so it's chasing because of the satisfaction that that object can get. That's why you got songs written about, I'll swim the high, not, not the swim the highest mountain, you couldn't do that. I'll climb the highest mountain, I'll swim the widest river to get to you, right? Why? Because you satisfy me, right? That's natural love. But the kind of love that, 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 that O showed here was this. The kind of love he showed was, it's not about me, Paul, I understand you're hurting I understand you're in a difficult spot, so I'm going to make it my number one priority to seek you out, not because I can get something from it, but because I can be a blessing to you through it. God's love is a quality that will search hard for those that are hurting and need encouragement. And that's really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the seeking nature of God's love. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 talks about this is the nature that God has towards us. It says, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were in our worst spot, God sought us out. Jesus made a choice to go to the cross. This was the mission of Jesus, to seek out those that are hurting and needed his help. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Notice his purpose was to seek out the weary, to seek out the lost, to seek out the hurting. And it's interesting about this verse, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, this, this verse is actually quoted um, at the end of Jesus' initial encounter with Zacchaeus. How many of you know who Zacchaeus is in the Bible? How many of you remember as a kid singing the song about Zacchaeus in, in Bible school? How many, you don't remember that song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, for the Lord he wanted to see, right? How many remember that song? Well, he had good parents if you remember that song. <laughs> but this verse of scripture is spoken by Jesus right at the uh, end of that initial encounter. Now, there was, for, there was more to come after that encounter, but initially it was spoken about Zacchaeus. And as you read the story of Zacchaeus, it almost seems like Jesus is taking credit for something Zacchaeus was doing. Because if you read the story of Zacchaeus, he was, he was climbing trees looking for Jesus, right? So it seems like Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm seeking you. And so as we find out, as we read through this in just a moment, and we'll see it here. Look, matter of fact, let's just look at it. Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. Jesus passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a certain man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was a little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, for the Lord he wanted to see. Right, that's what it says, right? For he was to pass that way. But here's the, here's the interesting thing. Zacchaeus was in Jericho. He was doing his thing. He was a publican and Jesus was passing by his way. What happened is the show came to town. And because the show came to town, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. He was, he was interested, right? 
But, but what we find to be true as, we, as, it, as it leads up to this story is actually over in Luke chapter 18 and verse 31, Jesus was east of Ephraim out in the wilderness, actually in the, in the, the region of Perea. And he said to his disciples, matter of fact, pull that, pull that, uh, that uh, uh, picture up if you got it of the map. There you go. So Jesus was in, uh, out there where Luke chapter 18 was, and he told his disciples, we need to go to Jerusalem. And the easy route to go to Jerusalem is the red route. He could have gone through Ephraim, and it was a, not a very treacherous route. But what Jesus chose to do was to take the southern route and through the mountains and the most difficult path he could have taken to get to Jerusalem. Why did Jesus take that route? Let me tell you why he did. Because the Holy Spirit is always seeking people. And he knew there was someone in Jericho, and not just one, there were many we'll see that needed the touch of heaven, and Jesus came to seek and save. See, for Jesus, the destination was never the destination. It was the needs along the way. And for us to live like Jesus lives, we can't live our lives consumed with the destination of where our life is heading. We have to live our lives understanding that there's a zigzag path many times God will take us on to lead us to the places and lives of people that only maybe our life can touch in a unique way. That's why being led by the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. Being willing to take a step that doesn't seem like the logical step, but it's the right step because it's God leading you. I can tell you, how did I get to this place of being a pastor? I can tell you this. <laughs> I never chose to be a pastor other than to say yes when the Lord called me to do it. I graduated from Bible school and everybody was talking about great ministries and worldwide evangelistic things they were going to do. And I just, had, I, you know, I just took the next logical step because it was the peaceful step the Lord was leading me. And I'm not saying their path was wrong. But for me, I was just going to go back to my local church and just help. And then I took a next step and a next step. And it never really made sense where I was going, but it led me to a bivocational career right now that supports my family pretty well and allows me to pastor this church. And I wound up here not because I chose it. It was a grand design plan. It was just me saying, Lord, I want to touch people. I want the, I want the, I want the stops along the way to be the destination of my life, not the end of my life to be the destination of my life. And that was the purpose of Jesus. He took the longer path. He took the probably more difficult path. If you look at that, he probably doubled his trip. He probably uh, tripled uh, the, 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 the challenge of it. And from a treachery standpoint, the road to Jericho was, you know, Jesus tells the story, riddled with thieves. And yet he took that path. Why did he take that path? Because the rich ruler was on that path that came to him that he had to minister to. Blind Bartimaeus that got healed from blind eyes was on that path. And Zacchaeus was on that path. The reality was Zacchaeus was looking for the show. He was looking for what was going on, what he thought he could satisfy him in the moment. But the truth of the matter is, as many days prior, Jesus knew Zacchaeus was in his future. And I would say that one of the things we need to be encouraged about as we challenge ourselves to walk in love is, is this morning, I don't care where you are in life, I don't care what you're dealing with, I don't care how much satisfaction you're looking for, I can promise you this, God is looking harder for you than you're looking for him. We see this very clearly in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 2, it says, Israel was out looking for a place to rest. 
Sounds like us a lot of times. We're out looking for our satisfaction. We're out looking for our relief. It says Israel was out looking for a place of rest and met God out looking for them. He was out there already. They were looking, but he was out there. God told them, I've never quit loving you and I never will expect love, love, and more love. That's in the Message Bible. Aren't you grateful that God's a God of love that's always looking for us? I don't care how much you're dealing with, what you're being challenged with, I promise you this. God is not distant from you. He is right there beside you. And he's, all he's wanting you to do is open up your eyes through faith to realize he is there. And my answer is not some distant thing, not some hard thing I have to achieve. I just have to hang with him and I'll be all right. Can I get an amen to that? We see Jesus zigzagging from, the, from, the, from Perea to Jerusalem. And the intent of his doing this was to meet the spiritual and physical needs of people. It wasn't just to pat people on the hand and say, oh, it'll be all right. It was actually to help people, genuinely help them. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, Jesus says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This was his charter. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What was he saying? He was saying that God's purpose for my life is to touch the hurts and needs of people. Whether it be preaching the gospel, whether it be opening blind eyes, whether it be healing the sick, whatever the challenge may be, his purpose was to help people. And I believe that's his purpose for us. Luke chapter 19 says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, how did he know his name? <laughs> Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. He looked at Zacchaeus and said, You may be looking for the show, Zacchaeus, but I'm the answer. And I want to come dwell with you today. Man, i got to tell you, first of all, before we even get to challenging ourselves to walk in love, I want to encourage you this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're facing, he is right there. And all he needs you to do is open your heart and say, I receive your help. I'm receiving your help. I'm going to let you into my life. It's that simple step of faith that accomplishes that. And so with this nature of this seeking mindset of God, we need to embrace that same mindset. That's, you know, that should be the purpose of our life shouldn't be the destination. It shouldn't be our retirement. It shouldn't be building our retirement. It shouldn't be any of those things. Those things are all great and thing, natural things we can do. But, the, but the, the, the destination of our life should never be the end result. The destination of our life should be all the stops along the way that God brings across our path that many times we're so busy focused on the destination we don't even see the opportunity. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1 says, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not for status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. How often do we stop in our lives and ask? I mean, I've got to ask this question. How often do we stop in our lives throughout the day and see the people that are in our lives and ask the question, is this a moment, is this a, is this a stop along the way? Is this a Zacchaeus moment? Is this a blind Bartimaeus moment? Is this a rich ruler moment? Or is this just part of my job or part of my encounter or part of my trip to the grocery store? 
We must have the question constantly in our mind, where is someone I can help and show the love of Jesus? I would ask this question, how much seeking are you doing? As we think about the people in our lives, man, this even challenge, this challenges me. As I think about the people in my lives that I, I touch every day, am I doing all I can do to be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit opens a door for me to share with them? You know, the Bible says a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and leaves of silver, it says in the Proverbs, right? So speaking a word at a right time is very important. You can speak a good word at a wrong time, and, and it may not be the best opportunity to share it. But we have to be sensitive as believers to not write everything off as this is not the right time. Are there people in your life, are there friends in your life that you haven't approached the conversation about church attendance with you if they don't have a church home for fear of making the situation uncomfortable? Do you have the gumption and the fortitude and the boldness to, to step forward and have that conversation? Because I will tell you something, that is the destination. Those are the stops along the way that God wants us to be making. Not so we can build a good church, not so we can say we got all these great numbers. No, because that person has hurts and has needs and has desires and has a God that wants to know them intimately. See, uh, uh, we, we are, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong, I mean, you realize there's nothing wrong with having a hunger for God and a passion for God. There's nothing wrong with that. But if our whole life is consumed with just seeking Him and never seeking another, I would ask the question of all of us, how close are we really with him? Because Jesus is on the road to Jericho, not the road to wherever it was, right? Jesus is out there looking for the people. I believe as a responsible pastor, I got to challenge that for us as a group. We're growing. New people are attending weekly. But how passionately and desperately, right? Are we seeking people to sit next to us in church on Sunday morning because it might be a good opportunity for them to experience Jesus? I mean, really, th think about that. And I, and I honestly, I thought about that this morning. I, I never want to be a pastor that causes people to feel like they got their arm twisted into doing anything. This is all about organically, you know, you, you doing what God leads you to do. You work out your own salvation. I just have to be responsible for what he's telling me to say, right? And I really feel like I need to challenge us because I will tell you something. You know, we should, you know, one of the passions of my heart is I, I'd love to see our altar, I'd love to see commitments and rededications of Christ on a weekly basis in this church. But if we're all saved and walking in love, we don't need that. Right? Many times. I mean, we can always do better, right? But man, I mean, I, 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 want, I believe every week there should be people in here. Why? Because we as individuals along the paths of our life are looking for those who are lost, unchurched, and hurting that could do better. That, not, not that they could do better like they're doing worse. They could, they could have better because God wants to bless them. Amen? See, Luke chapter 15 and verse 4 says this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 to, op to the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? So there's the picture. Think about this for a minute. You know, shepherd in the midst of all of these folks. So I want you to envision yourself as a shepherd. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a shepherd. You may not be a pastor, but you're a shepherd in, sense, in a certain regard to the people you touch in your life. And what he's saying here is, is if you've got all these people in your life that are good believers and all these things, but you've got others that aren't, shouldn't the focus be on bringing them in? 
He goes on to say it again, and when and when and goes on to say, doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the country and go after the one lost sheep? And when he finds it, he is joyful. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Verse eight. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Jesus asked this rhetorical question twice, with the obvious answer of, "Yeah, we should be seeking what is lost." You know, one of the reasons and you know, one of the reasons we do what we do as a church, you know, a lot of the extra things we do, I can tell you this. It's not just, you know, there's big talk in lots of churches about, you know, you know, we need a sense of community. We need a sense of community as a church. But the reason they do it is because some marketing guru told them we need a sense of community so that you can build a big church. Because if you ain't a, have a sense of community, you don't have a sticky church and people go go somewhere else. I'm not interested. I'll tell you this, if that's what you're looking for, you're looking in the wrong place. I ain't interested in a marketing reason to do something for the kingdom of God. Jesus told us we needed a, we, certainly we need a sense of community. Certainly we're a church family. Certainly we should love others. But that should be for the essence of it, for that reason, not so we can build a big church. And i got to tell you, early on and many times in, in the history of this church as a 22-year pastor of church, there have been many times I've done things honestly and sincerely they weren't, there wasn't any evil intent in it, but I did it because I wanted to build a church. But i got to tell you, the reason we do what we do now, it goes through this filter every single time for me. Are we doing this to build a church, or are we doing this because we love the people we could touch from it? Why are we doing a fall festival? So we can whip ourselves into a frenzy, set up a bunch of games, and our kids can go, woohoo, I had a little fun. Well, we love your kids. We want them to have fun. But if it, if it can't help touch people and let them know God loves them, then let's, not, let's just not waste our time, right? So why do we have fall festivals? Why do we have a family Sunday with a special covered-ish dinner at the end of it and call it a family Sunday and ask you to invite out your extended family members that may not have a church home so that we can say we got great numbers on family Sunday? No, because God loves people that don't have a tight relationship with him and he wants them to have a tight relationship with him. So I'm challenging us as, as a pastor of this church that I don't care. You know, some people say, well, I'm just called to pray. I'm not called to reach people. Hogwash, and I could really use a more abrupt word, but it wouldn't be appropriate, and I wouldn't use it anyway. All of us are called to touch people with the love of God. You're not just called to be a prayer. You're not called to just be a giver. You're not called, all of us, we all have journeys in our life that we cross paths of people and we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Is this a moment? I mean, that's the real question. Are we living our lives with this passion that every moment we're looking, is this a moment? I'm telling you this morning because I'm preaching this message, it was more on the forefront of my mind. I go to the post office every Sunday morning. I pick up our mail on the way to church. I'm sitting in the post office. I see this young man. He's carrying groceries from his car to his house. Every Sunday morning, he goes to the grocery store and He's across my path. And I'm too busy getting to church that I haven't even considered, is this, is this one of the guys on my path? This morning I was arrested. He's on your path. So I went out and talked to him. I said, man, you go out and get groceries every Sunday morning. I see you getting groceries every Sunday morning. It must be your time to shop. Yeah, yeah. He's looking at me like, who is this idiot? Yeah. I said, well, hey, listen, I just... Every Sunday I see you doing this because I'm getting the mail for the church, and I just felt like I needed to stop for a moment and let you know, if you don't have a church home, man, I'd love to have you come visit our church because God loves you. And I gave it to him. I left it at that. That, that was the simple aspect of it, right? But i got to tell you, we have to be sensitive. We have to be sensitive in our lives. 
I'm so grateful for people in our church that are like that. I'm not saying we're not. I believe we've got people that are like that. You know, I think about Grace and Hector Berrios. And I think about the decisions they've made to be foster parents and to show the love of God and, and how those lives, I mean, fine young men that are serving God with their life. Because someone made a choice to say it's not about the destination where I'm going, it's about the people along the way. Man, we have to be willing to embrace that mindset. We have to value what God values. What does God value? Luke chapter 15 and verse 10 says this. It says, likewise I say to you, there is joy. At the end of this story, the shepherd and finding the sheep and the lady finding the coin. It says, likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. What does heaven value? Heaven values people coming to know Christ in a closer way. It says they rejoice. I believe if we took a moment and laid our head on the breast of, you know, yeah, I just want to sit at your feet. You know that song? Drink from the cup in your hand. Lay back against you and breathe. You know, we want to do that, right? We're laying there. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's, 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 it's thera spiritually therapeutic to allow him to love you, right? That's okay. But I believe if you get really close to the heart of God and you're laying on his breast and you listen, what you'll hear is, His heart beats for people. Do our hearts beat that way as well? It should. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 33 as the musicians come. It says this, for I am not, Paul said, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Love seeks. Love doesn't consume Love seeks to be a blessing. Love looks for the opportunities. And I would challenge you this morning that if we're going to grow in this kind of love, we have to be people that are seeking out. We're like heat-seeking missiles, right? I get up in the morning and my target is, who am I going to touch today? Who am I going to reach with God's love? Who am I going to help? Who am I going to invite to church? Who am I going to bring out? Who am I going to somehow try to move them along the path of a path that's closer to Jesus? I pray, number one, this this morning, because I challenged you first of all but at the end of this, but I pray first of all you're encouraged. If you're not living up to that standard of seeking others, that's okay. The first thing I want you to be is encouraged this morning. I want you to be encouraged by the fact that God, just like he was looking for Zacchaeus, is always looking for you. Always. No matter how distant you feel from him, no matter how far your answer feels from the resolution to your problem, if you'll just trust him and open your heart to him and allow him in and just let go of the concern and just allow him to love you, that problem will change. Ezekiel 34 and verse 11 says this, it says, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock and he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. And I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. Wherever you are, whatever category you fall into this morning that may be one of those, he is here for you this morning. You're sick, he's got healing. You're not right with him, he's got forgiveness and restoration. You're lost, you can be saved. You got family problems, he can restore those. It may not happen overnight, but as you follow after him, he can fix them. 
as you embrace this style of living, this different way of living, showing love first and foremost, it will dynamically change your life and your joy will be full. But secondly, I pray that you're challenged to become a hard seeker like, like Onis, Onisiphorus was. I believe I pronounced that right. He was a hard seeker after Paul, that you would be a hard seeker after people. You know, many years ago in our church, we embraced a concept that I've introduced and touched on several times throughout uh, the history of the church, but I want to bring it back to the surface because I believe it's a God thing that the Lord spoke to our heart, and if we'll embrace this as a church, we truly will see our altars filled. We truly will see lives that are hurting touched. And it's a simple concept the Lord dropped in my heart called 54321. And it's simply this, that we as a church body would work towards this. That we would find someone in our lives, not because we want to build a big church, but I would find someone in my life that I truly love. I would be heartbroken if they died and didn't make heaven. I'd be heartbroken if they were hurting and, I couldn't, and, they, and they didn't know someone wanted to help them. That I would find someone in my life that I can invite to church for five, that I can invite church for three consecutive weeks. Why three consecutive weeks? You know, things, things that we care about take purposeful attention sometimes. You know, I care about my wife, and I, I, I do a lot of things sometimes that are hurtful, and I just I don't even realize it until after I've done it, and then i got to say I'm sorry. How many of you stupid guys, women are married to stupid guys like that? <laughs> How many of you guys are stupid like that? <laughs> we'll have that altar call, and our altars will be full this morning. Where was I going with that? Yeah, why are we saying three consecutive weeks? Why are we saying we need you to do this? Because it takes purposeful attention. I love my wife, and there are times where she, there's certain ways she receives love. She, it, it, there's certain things that I can do to make her feel more love than others. Now, you know, I'm a guy, right? So I can hug her and kiss her and squeeze her, and I'm like, I love you, but that, you know, and, and that's fine for her. But I mean, I, I, that's not the real thing that makes her happy. One of the big things that makes her happy is just being a gift giver, giving her a little card here or there bringing her a gift every once in a while. So you know what, that's not the natural way I do things, so I have to be purposeful about that. There, because I love her doesn't mean I'm naturally gonna do what's unnatural for me to do. So I, she knows this, it's no hidden secret. Every 10 days in my calendar pops up a note, do something nice for your wife. Why, because I gotta be purposeful about it. If we wanna be a church that truly says we love others, we have to be intentional about it. You can't just walk in here and say, we love people, right? If we want to be a place where people's lives are truly touched and made better by the presence of God, we got to be intentional. So the, 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 all I'm asking everybody to do is this. is just every three months, if you would figure out, is there somebody in my life that I know they're unchurched, I know they're not going somewhere, but I love them. I really do love them. Maybe I've been hesitant to say things into their life before because I don't want to strain the friendship or the relationship, but I really do love them. So the first thing I'm going to do for that family is I'm going to pray for them, that God would open a door for me to be able to invite them to come to church. Say, why church? i got to tell you, church is one of the best places in the world to get yourself right with God. It just is. It's much easier to do it than out there on your own. So I'm going to pray for them. And then when God opens the door, I'm going to be sensitive to the stop along the way to stop in Jericho and say, hey, Zacchaeus, come join me. 
And not just come join me, but I'm going to purposefully say, can you, will you make a choice to come to church with me for the next three weeks? Why three weeks? Because three weeks is how people establish habits. It's been shown that 80% of the people that come to church for three consecutive weeks will call that their home and stick. Now why? Because we want to build a big church? I'm telling you, I could care less about that. Because that person needs a relationship with Jesus. Whether they realize it or not, they may look all good on the outside, but I got to tell you, that person needs a relationship with Jesus, and if everything's perfect in their life, then the person their life touches needs a relationship with Jesus through them. There's always a reason somebody needs to be more closely aligned with church. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just embrace that concept. And the hope is, as a church, we'd see five families every three months attend church for three consecutive weeks. You may be successful in the endeavor, you may be not, but I'm asking you to participate as a church member. So I will tell you this, as you're leaving today, you're going to get one of these cards that look like, go ahead and put that up there. You're going to get a card that looks like this. And what I'm going to ask you to do is put it in the most conspicuous place you can find. If it's on the dashboard of your car, on the mirror in your bathroom, but the place that will bug you more than anywhere else if it was, if it was not there. You wish it wasn't there almost. Why? So it reminds you that I've been called to be a part of this church and being a part of this church and and whether I'm a part of this church or not I've been called in my life to touch others with the gospel of Jesus Christ so I am going to make it a, a point that I'm uncomfortable by this simple card that it would remind me to find a life touch a life look for the places along the way that I would take the crooked path instead of the straight one seems almost uncharacteristic to say that in Christian circles because this Christian path is the straight and narrow right But the straight and narrow path is actually the crooked one. And that's the one we need to follow. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, verse 10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's our calling. Real love seeks. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much. I've done my best to share my heart with with the people today. We are called to be a people that love you so much that we can't help but love others. Let us slow down and be sensitive to the moments in our life where the Holy Spirit is calling us to have a Zacchaeus moment. Let us be passionate, as Onesiphorus was, to seek hard after people, to make it a purpose and a point of our lives, and that we be intentional about it. For, Father, there are people within a stone's throw of this church that need to know that you love them, that you're not judging them, that you just want to help them. And if they'll simply turn their heart toward you, you can. Help us be a threshing tool in your hand. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're not sure if you died right now and heaven would be your home, but you want to be sure of that, you can be sure this morning. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no other way to get to heaven than to accept what Jesus has done for you. Every other method of trying to get to God on the planet is a system of works that tries to make you good enough to be accepted by God. But what Jesus said is you could never be good enough on your own. So I'm going to send my son to die on a cross for your sins, and if you'll accept what he did and that he rose from the dead, you'll be changed on the inside. 
I'll make you a child of God, even if you don't deserve it, by simply accepting my son Jesus. If you've never done that before in your life and you desire to today, would you raise your hand and say, yes, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know that heaven's my home. Anyone at all, I'm just wait just a moment. Just going to wait a moment. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not even going to ask you to walk an aisle. Nicodemus came to Jesus under cover of night, and Jesus accepted him. If you just simply raise your hand, we're going to pray a collective prayer for you. There'll be a moment in time where you'll need to make your stand on your own, but right now I'm just asking you to accept him. Anyone at all, I'm just going to wait a moment longer. Anyone at all? Anyone? Okay. I believe we're all believers then. And if you're not, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that their eyes would be open to see how much you love them and how simple this is. And that you would just continue to stay after them, show them signs, do things in their life to let them know that, yeah, this is it. This is, this is what you're looking for. I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Stand to your feet with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that is in it. You know, we have um, prayer partners that are uh, here this morning. Buzz and Sherry lead our prayer partner team. They're not here this morning. They're actually watching their daughter get baptized at a church that she goes to, so, you know, a good distance away from here. So congratulate them. They're excited. Actually, they've got three family members getting baptized. But um, we have other prayer partners, and they'll be at the front here this morning at the end of the service. If you have a need that you uh, uh, would like to have prayed for, they can pray for you and believe for your healing. They can pray for you and believe for whatever it is you're facing, right? They've been equipped to do that, and they're ready to be a stop along the way in your life. Amen. So if you're looking for help, they'll be right up here at the end of the service. But let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Don't forget about all of the fun things we have going on. There's a calendar out in the lobby that tells you about a lot of those things. There's sign-up sheets out there. Make sure you're signing up for that. And uh, also do me a favor. Make sure you thank our nursery workers, Larry Lilly and his fiance. They stepped forward this week and actually told my wife, you know, hey, take a week off. We want to help you. They just responded last week, and I really do appreciate that. So, um, so make sure you let them know you appreciate their efforts this morning. But let me pray a prayer over you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that you love these people. You love them. You don't want us to just be pawns in your hand used to touch others. As we touch others, you touch us. You make yourself real to us. So I pray this week as we are become hard seekers of others for the kingdom of God, that we'll find those moments where in touching others, you actually refresh us. And we find the true joy and satisfaction of life, and that's by being a giver, not a consumer or a taker. I thank you for that, Father. Thank you for angels camped about our people, keeping them safe and protected, that they go out and they live under the shadow of the Almighty. They abide under your presence and your angels look out for them and you keep them safe from all harm and you bring them back to worship with us again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming out. Hopefully we'll see you at worship night on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.